Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Story Smack. Hello, my name is A. Kovacs, audiobook narrator and founding partner at Empty Set Entertainment. And my name is Scott Segler, best-selling author, and when I was a little kid, I kind of had this problem. And it's not even that big of a deal. Something like 8% of kids do it. For some reason, I don't know why, I would just kind of sit around all day and draw pictures of dicks. Okay, and if you don't know that quote, then you should know that this is episode 25 of Story Smack, a podcast about stories and storytellers in the world of pop culture. That quote, by the way, isn't autobiographical from Scott, as far as I know, but is from this week's story selection. Ma'am, you have, Super no, bad. You have no idea of my artistic preferences. No idea. So did you draw dicks? I did. Actually, I did. I'm confessing to the audience. I drew dicks. They were part of my world-famous high school superhero team. Oh, oh God. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Who else was in your superhero It was, it was a duo. Team? It was a duo. You're... It was Johnny Gonorrhea and Iron Dick. Dude, you are making that up. You are making that up. You are. Oh, ma- yeah. I, I, here's what just happened. I almost said you were making that shit up. And then I didn't want to say shit on the podcast, but you just uh, literally just, said gonorrhea. Johnny gonorrhea and iron dick. I didn't, I am not, I am not making this up. Uh, actually what I will do for all of the fans listening and the folks at home, I will do a brand new sketch of Johnny gonorrhea and I'll post it over at scottsigler.com slash podcast slash super bad. Of course you will. <laughs> so from that, I'm guessing you really identified with this movie. I totally did. I think tons of people did. Um, I think while it resonated for people of my generation, I think it really struck a chord with the youngins, which is part of why we picked this movie at this time. And it's about time. After doing episodes about the 20th anniversary of this, the 25th anniversary of that, and randomly, yes. the 17th anniversary of Gladiator, 17th anniversary, yes. we are doing super bad because it is 10 years old. It came out a decade ago. So there you go, you whippersnappers. Now you can look at a treasure film from your youth and you too can feel old. Ha! Generation Y, millennials, generation whatever the fuck, take that. Okay, okay. So let's talk about Superbad. Okay, okay. Such a great, great fun movie. There's so many quotes. There's catchphrases and it literally, I think, skyrocketed the careers of uh, Jonah Hill, who goes mm-hmm. on to become, not for Superbad, but goes on to become Oscar-nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Sarah, as you know, goes on to Arrested Development and uh, all, Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, Scott and, Pilgrim and Kick-Ass. Oh, kick, well, Kick-Ass no, is, gay. no, that's uh, Christopher Mintz Plotz. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, and, oh, okay. yes, okay, go ahead. Now and I then, of it. course, uh, Emma Stone. Academy Award winner Academy Emma Stone. Award winner Emma Stone in her yeah. her direct her feature movie premiere. But, I mean, super that, bad. Yeah, but then there's also uh, uh, Bill Heaters in it and yeah. Seth Rogen's in it. All mm-hmm. sorts of folks. It was directed by Greg Matola and co-written by one of the stars of the movie, the person you just mentioned, funny man Seth Rogen, who plays a cop dreaming of seeing semen on everything. Mm. And I think that's a dream that we all share. I'm starting to think the sophomore humor of this is really what appealed to you. <laughs> Listen, you're crazy. I would never lower myself to these plebeian standards of which you speak. Rogan uh, wrote the movie alongside his high school pal, Evan Goldberg, who also wrote Goon, which is one of my favorite movies. And I hear they're working on a sequel, and I really hope they pull that off. Uh, Sausage Party, and he writes for and developed the series Preacher. Now, 
And if you notice, the main characters' name in this are Seth and Evan. Oh, yeah. Seth and Evan wrote the movie, and they kind of semi-autobiographical about them. So the movie is just loaded with talent. Totally. And, ma'am, it is loaded with facts. After we talk (laughs) about our reactions to the movie, I've got a list of things that you might not know about the super bad. Mm Mm-hmm. FDO, why don't you give us a synopsis of Superbad right, to here start? We go. <clears throat> high school seniors Seth and Evan have high hopes for a graduation party. The codependent teens plan to score booze and babes so they can become part of the in crowd. But separation anxiety and two bored police officers complicate the pair's self-proclaimed mission. Okay, so here is everyone's spoiler alert, weekly spoiler alert. If you haven't seen this movie, turn it off now, go watch it, mm-hmm. and come back to us. Yes. Yes. So I think this time, director of Doom, uh, A. Kovacs, A. Real Girl herself, I don't think, I, we're not really going to go through a minute-by-minute minute breakdown of it. I think what we should do, we should talk about our overall views of it. And then I also have some super fun uh, super fun thing. I've got some quotes from the movie that oh. maybe you could read for us. Oh, and I'll ta- sure. I'll say, I'll talk more about that after. But first, let's do our, why, why do people love this movie? What makes it endearing? Well, I mean, I think one of it, w- one thing in particular even though I would guess that you have an experience s- similar to, to Seth or Evan, it, the characters in the movie, uh, that that might be a little bit like, yeah, I, I don't think I ever draw, drew dicks on anything or anything well, like that. Well, you're a girl, so. But, so that's my point, though. I might not have done that, but there are so many moments where I sort of cringe internally and had to peek through my fingers, not at, like, the horror of it or the, you know, the cheap scare thrills, like, in Halloween or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but... In this, oh God, that was me. Oh God, oh God, oh yeah. God, oh God. As a matter of fact, you just got a letter from your friend's mom today or something? Oh, I did. Yeah. I should grab that were and read a, a little bit. You, I was in 10th grade, maybe? Uh, yeah, I was uh, 1980. No, I was younger than that. I was uh, not even in, I think I was just out of elementary school. It was 1984 or three or something. Just out of elementary school. Yeah. yeah. And it's, but that. I clearly of- went to camp. Uh, I'm writing from camp. Uh-huh. I don't remember going to camp. You know. So. No. Um, but really what this does is you got your cool kids in school and when we're in school and we're not the cool kids or we're not the, the upper crust of everybody, you have this image that the cool kids have everything figured out. They get everything going on later on in life. You find out they were by and large, just as goofy and awkward and not understand what's going on as we were, but not as much as we were. I think yes and no. I think sometimes that's true. And then there are clearly people who are wallflowers or outliers mm-hmm. in high school who remain out outliers or wallflowers as they grow grow up and they sort of are on the periphery and and have to work a little bit harder to find their like fly their geek flag and find the place they belong but i i wonder how many people in high school that i looked up to or not looked up to but maybe looked at and said oh sure you have it all put together you're the Mm -hmm. cool kids Mm -hmm. uh get the the one person I remember who turns out to have been grown up to be a perfectly lovely, she was perfectly lovely then too, but the girl you have to hate was Candace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Candace, you know, if I look at her Facebook page has had a very similar life to mine yeah. in a whole lot of ways. So she probably also was looking at other people saying, well, if it was only as easy as it is for them. And what this movie does, I thought for at least my crew in high school is largely pretty similar to the boys we saw in the movie. Sex obsessed love each other to the hilt. We're all still tight. We all still go to Vegas every year together, you know, because we're super tight. Hopefully it is nothing like that movie. It's much more advanced than this movie is now. But there's still, <laughs> you still draw dicks on things. I will and draw you, dicks and leave pictures of dicks around, around their voice. But, and do you, do you pretend to fillet or 
hump oh, are you things every day, every fucking day. The 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 physical comedy is there, but our entire culture was based around humor. It was mm-hmm. all based on making each other laugh. And athletics were in there too. And we played, we all played sports, but for the most part, it was just it was just this giant good time, a bunch of D and D nerds saying ridiculous shit and making each other laugh all the time. But I think what this movie nailed, what really makes me love this movie, is it does such a good job of nailing the awkward experience of talking to someone that you are interested in, either of the opposite sex or your, or your same sex every day, whatever. But that moment where part of you absolutely knows the reason this boy or girl is standing in front of you is because they dig you. And then there is, that's like 10% of you. Then there's 90% of you going, there's no way this guy or girl could dig me. And it's, it's crazy when you look back on it. Yeah. And looking back on it, I, I, always think, and this is going to be super nerdy. So, you know, exactly the sort of nerd I was in high school. You look back, I look back on the girl I was in high school and realize, oh my God, do you remember that Edgar Allan Poe story of the telltale heart? Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert for Edgar Allan Poe. If you haven't read it at some point, Edgar Allan in the telltale heart, they bury a heart within a wall. Okay. Okay. Unless that's a cask of Montialdo, maybe I'm forgetting, but I think it's a telltale heart and he still hears it and he hears it and he hears it and drives him insane. And that's the, there was a part of me, that's what I think when I watch a movie like Superbad and it brings up the cringeworthy moments I remember from Mm -hmm. my own. Like there was a part of me that knew, but it was sort of walled up behind all this other awkward, like, well, he definitely doesn't like you and he's definitely not going to loan you his sweater and don't even (laughs) ask because it's going to be mortifying. Yeah. And just because he loaned you a sweater doesn't mean that he really likes you. Like there was was all of that. Right. It was mental torture we did to ourselves. Right. And I didn't, and that, that. A man who became my high school, that boy who became my high school sweetheart, who is now a man, who's a friend of mine, had exactly all those thoughts from the other side. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I could talk to her, but why should, why would she talk to me? Stuff like that. So we circled each other like the most awkward uh, predators <laughs> ever. And then we were like, I mean, maybe we'll just sit on the bus together. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and somehow that worked and that happened. It was constant. Was mine was, uh, mine was Robin Broca in high school and we just absolutely adored each other We're in our class together. Super good friends. And it was a big, a big circular, the predators awkwardly circling each other is a great phrase. But when I had a girlfriend, she did not. She had a boyfriend. And when she had a boyfriend, I have a girlfriend. We never really connected. But it was when we had those moments, and what, there were many girls in high school, that now I look back and I just want to, I want to punch my younger self straight in the nuts. To be like, look, if you're not going to use this, I'm going to punch you in it. Why do you <laughs> think that cute girl is here sitting with you at lunch talking to you? Just friggin' ask her out. What's wrong with you? I remember having, and I don't remember when it was, but having a conversation with you because I moved a lot. I was an army brat. I mm-hmm. moved a lot as a kid. And you have the opposite experience. And, um having this conversation where I moved to a small town, Vancouver, Washington. Um, and that was the smallest town that I'd ever lived in. And there were a lot of rules. Like you couldn't shut the bedroom door if somebody was in the room with you. Okay. If, uh, somebody of the opposite sex was How in the old room were you with at this you. Point? I was a uh, in, freshman in high school. Okay. Okay. And, That's um, a good rule. It, it is a good rule, but it, it just, because, because New York city apartments are small, you do less of, you do less hanging out at home. And then when you have like a ranch style house, like the Brady Bunch, there's all sorts of space that you can get into trouble in. Yeah. But we were having that conversation and you were like, oh yeah. And I forget who it was, but there was a time where somebody, some girl had you hang out at the house and and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I had that problem. I thought, but maybe it wasn't a thing. And I was like, dude, that girl was trying to get with you. I can't remember the girl's name at this point, but But she was was totally trying to get with you. Totally gorgeous. And had me over to her house in my defense. Uh, no, that's another girl. Hold on. That's a different story. But this girl literally had me, got me over to her house. Her parents are gone, got me into her bedroom. And I, I, in my head, 
it did not allow me to accept the fact that this super cute girl was not only interested in me, but had lured me into her domain. Like I, I'm like, oh yeah. It's like I identify very much with Evan in this movie. Yeah. Just oblivious. I would have thought you'd be McLovin, like sort of smooth yet not smooth. Well, let me rephrase that: not smooth with a tiny bit of smooth, like right. with a little, a little hard edge of smooth. But it turns out you're Evan. In this our, movie. our McLovin was a gentleman named Scott Christian. He's like, <laughs> I'm awkward. Don't give a shit. Just plowing forward. Figure this out as we go. And our Seth was uh, my boy Rob Otto. Who's, yeah, and I could have probably guessed that. There's two things in this that I think I really want to point out. Number one is, is Seth Rogen's one of the screenwriters. Mm-hmm. And you can see his character, Seth. You can easily envision that's probably what he was like, uh, very close to what he was like in high school, which is doesn't quite get the fact that that chicks dig humor. Chicks dig smart dudes. And chick, if you can make a girl laugh, and when, right. none of my boys, Rob's the only one who got this. If you make a girl laugh, the girl's probably interested in you because people want to be around people that are fun and make make them laugh. Right. And Seth's super intense. Jonah Hill's playing that with this super oblivious intensity. You felt that was really good. But with the director, Matola, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Greg Matola, what he did so good in this was take the subtleties of the script mm-hmm. and coach his actors and actresses into playing the subtleties, all of the awkwardness that we've been talking about is done in these very tiny brushstrokes in the movie. It's not, they don't, they don't make it over the top. Oh my gosh, I'm so awkward. It's all really subtle stuff and it really comes off like real life. Yeah. And as we were sort of talking about a little earlier, there's, um, there is a huge amount of talent in this movie. Mm-hmm. Michael Sarah goes on to great big good things. Clearly Seth Rogen is a huge talent. Huge. Um, Jonah Hill, huge talent. Oscar nominee for Moneyball, which was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Emma Stone, Oscar winner. Crazy good. Uh, so they, there's, there's raw material there that that it could have been as easy as a, like I believe that, that Seth's character played by Jonah Hill, the thing that comes through every single scene he does is his unshakable earnestness. Mm-hmm. Yes, so he can be, good. he yes. can be dense, he can be dumb, he can be drunk, he can be things that don't start with D, any of those, mm-hmm. but he's still earnest and and it, it's all quite monumental to him and it sort of ends with this uh, yeah i know i'm sort of jumping to the end but his story ends where he does everything earnestly and intensely to, to get no the filter. girl right no like filter. and he just doesn't want to go to he just doesn't want to leave high school without a girl right? mm-hmm. he just doesn't want to leave high school a virgin i don't even think he's thinking that far but he's mm-hmm. sort of thinking that it's all that right? at the same time he Those just things needs that. The same time. it all has and this is the one chance he has it to that he had that one party this was the chance he had it to happen yep. and then it all falls apart because he's him right he's young and dense and dumb and a fuck up and whatever in this way and he gets too drunk and whatever and then at his denouement, right at the end, is his girl comes for him. Mm-hmm. And it's undeniable and everybody's sober and they're at the mall and everything else. And, and she leads the interaction. And he can't, he can't believe it. earnest his way out of it. Like he can't <laughs> figure out a way that this is not what's really it's, happening. It's unfuckupable. It is unfuckupable. And the, the look on his face and the, the, the last scene between the two best friends mm-hmm. happens at the top and the bottom of an escalator. Oh, it's great. It's and really And the look good. on Jonah Hill's face, like you, like, of course he's going to be a powerhouse actor. Of course he's going to do great in Moneyball, like yeah. years later, because it's so incredibly perfect. Like, but I didn't, I don't know 
what am I going to do? How am I going to do this without, but I can't do this with you, but how am I going to do It's this one moment where you have to be like, well, fuck, I don't know anything about being a grown up, but I guess this is when I start learning. And I did not look up who the director of photography was for this, but that whoever he or she is, is also super powered in this. And we assume the director's calling all the shots, but really the, if you, if you watch something, we watch some of these scenes four and five times in a row, yeah. especially that escalator scene, watching the transition of camera angles to people and the short little shots they have of people. However, you did mention Jonah Hill and you did mention, uh, who, who was the, uh, sorry, uh, Emma Stone. Two Academy Award nominated, one Academy Award winning mm-hmm. uh, young powerhouse actors who I feel really showcase their talents to be at a couple points in the movie. So if you guys want to go watch this movie, you should watch it again. It's on Netflix at 13 minutes and 46 seconds into the movie. Wait. I, okay. So guys. Uh, <laughs> oh, I got to set the scene. Uh, uh, well, before you talk about 1346, I would say I, I should let all of you know that watching Scott talk about this, I know whatever. <laughs> I don't remember what it is, but I know it's going to be not what you would expect. So I will say I literally just said the moment where you sort of know Seth, uh, Seth or Jonah Hill is going to be great. Yeah. Is that beautiful fully clothed, non-drunk moment on the escalator. Yeah, you like, but for you, it's 13 minutes and 46 yes, seconds. You like the mature, grandiose moment and good God. played with subtlety and composure. And what, what I thought happens? was great. At 13 minutes and 46 seconds, Academy Award winner Emma Stone and Academy Award nominee Joan Hill exhibit the moment in Superbad where you know each of them will be Academy Award contending talent. And that is when Emma Stone is trying to make tiramisu and Seth, Jonah Hill, is behind her doing all kinds of lewd pantomime oh, to no, entertain no. his friends. Because that's what we all did in high school. Do anything. What are you talking to... about? You do this every year in <laughs> Vegas, is what I'm going to say. He's, he, uh, you go back. I know he's, some of those friends. He's behind her pretending to eat her ass. And Emma well, Stone, Emma Stone, seems is just, un... Emma Stone is just continuing on. Like there's nothing going on. And, and Jonah Hill, and it's just. Seems uncouth. It's when you, the first time I saw it, neither one of them had won anything. Or been nominated for it, and I'm like, that's very funny. That's hysterical. That looks like what my boys and I would do. Then I watched it again for this, and I'm like, that's a fucking Academy Award winning actress. It changes the scope of the scene dramatically. And then there's more. Oh lord! In the same montage, because uh, in some movies you get a training montage, and this movie you get a montage of dirty pantomime. At 13 minutes and 49 seconds, ma'am. Oh lord, ma'am. I mean, that's literally like four seconds if later. You don't think. Oh God! The Jonah Hill. Oh God! Chugging a measuring cup full of imaginary jizz signified his presence in the world theatrical stage. Then I'm I'm assuming your favorite movies must be Ernest Says Christmas because that's genius. I don't, well, okay, genius. Let's back up. There's so many things to unpack in that sentence. First, first, let's start with with the obvious. I'm not sure that. They are alternate <laughs> ends of the spectrum. I don't think Superbad and Ernest Saves Christmas represent ends of the spectrum. Okay. I just don't. Okay. Also, I am going to have to check with our standards department, but I'm, I'm not really sure. We don't really have sh- censors. We don't, don't well, have I didn't say censors. censors. We do have a standards department. And our I standards think, department is a dog. Literally I, a dog. I need to make sure that they're all right with saying jizz on the air. A a cup of imaginary, a measuring cup full of imaginary jizz. Oh, you said it already the one time. lugs Well... It's it's fantastic. All right, so those are the big reasons we adore this movie. There's, uh, I have two. Oh, hit me. Two, two way less uh, sexually explicit. Uh, are there measuring scenes. cups involved? No. Okay. But I at one hour fifty minutes. It's quite by the end of the movie. It's when they're in the mall that we've just talked about where the, the movie ends. Uh, Jonah Hill it tries on a pair of jeans that are too t- <laughs> too tight, and 
fucking just sells the entire thing. Like he's, jo- I, I think in this movie, Jonah Hill may be the, uh, physically as an actor, may be the biggest he's been. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. remote island in frigid Lake Superior. A fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. From there, and then he grows up and as a human, he grows up and thins out and probably works very hard at it and whatever. But I think this is the most... Um, mass that he's had physically okay. a, as an actor. So he's and a little he just, chunky. He's, he's a little, chunky. but he's, I mean, he's always, he, it, what, but I think what this we might call be the back heaviest. In the day, he's a little, he wears the husky sizes. Well, right, but he's at like JCPenney, not in the husky size, but in the gentlemen's and men's department. Mm-hmm. And he's trying on a pair of jeans that are too tight. And the both of them, like Jonah Hill is is absolutely gloriously shameless. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps looking at his ass and looking at his ass. He's like, but I mean, I know it's a little tight, but it's kind of good, right? And then you can, like you can, my, like my package is like, it's like, it's three separate things. It's like and, a division symbol. Well, that's what Michael Sarah <laughs> says. And Evan, Michael Sarah's portrayal of Evan in this, where he, he wants to be supportive, but there is literally nothing he can say other than those are way, 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 way too tight. Yeah. And he just keeps doing it. like Straight-faced. So totally straight-faced. And you see this come into play later in this, I don't know what to call this genre, but this sort of Judd Apatow, Seth Rogen sort of genre mm-hmm. uh, of comedy. You see uh, it's the man-o'-lantern scene from The 40-Year-Old Virgin. It's the, uh, there's a scene that Seth Rogen does this in Jack, uh, Zach and Miri make a porno where he's just, it's, it's this sort of ad-libbing, endless ad-libbing. And, yeah. And you see a lot of the outtakes in those later movies. I've never seen outtakes of Superbad, but when I saw this, I thought that whole little division just, symbol yeah. thing is absolutely them just riffing on this idea. And it's beautiful and super straight faced. And they're, and it just, it's, it's, it's like cringeworthy and hysterical all at they're once. They're so good at being funny in that scene and playing off each other. It makes you think that they're both absolutely miserable motherfuckers in their private life. Either like, that or no that one... is who they are in their private lives, yeah, right? Just like that that's... same. Like, you, Michael Sarah pulls off very well. I know he, his range doesn't seem to be that broad from what I've seen. It's all kind of the same type of character, but right. I mean, I'm pretty sure that you meet Michael Sarah in real life, he's exactly like him in that movie. Like, they're the same person. 
We, maybe, maybe, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's hard to tell because you've not be seen him do anything. because he's so any... good. Maybe he's that good. Well, you and you've know. not seen him do much else. I, I would guess he's probably more introverted than not, but I don't otherwise I would like know. to see a movie where he kills a motherfucker. So then the, I have one other piece okay. that I loved so much, which is the very end. It's that move, the part with the escalator that we were talking about before. So the, the to lay out the scene completely, <clears throat> they meet up the next day sober in the mall and the girls kind of take control and they're both like the, one of them likes one and one of them likes the other and they kind of separate off. The boys. They so call the herd. They call it, well, it's only a two boy herd Still and they herd. sort of, they sort of split them off to have some personal time with each one of them. Right. And get their, get their female hooks in them. Right, right, right. I mean, yes. Because I'm regressing back to high school. Got to watch for chicks to get their hooks in <laughs> All you want is for a girl to want to have their hooks on you. No, as a high school senior. Now I'm a, gr- now I'm a grown man. I'm like I like hooks. Hooks are great. Yes. Let's talk about hooks. But back then, you were like, I would really like to see her boobs, but not her hooks. That is also not her one hooks. of the notes I made on this. Almost every scene where one of the boys walks into a room with any girls, they immediately stare at their tits. Well, because they're fourteen and, I'm like, and 15, this is 16, high school. 17. Staring yeah. at boobs is high school. Yeah, it's all of high school. Yeah. Okay. So, but that scene, there's this the, the whole story, and this will sound so film. Film Ooh. fan O'Toole, whatever. Like it was sounds so yes. cheese ball to say. Please tell me your theory upon the film. But I think it's still true. And I understand that my job here is to be the stuffy film person. It is. It is totally true for Superbad. This this moment, it's at one minute or one hour, 58 minutes, 40 something, 46 seconds. Okay. They have an exchange where they are literally saying goodbye to the relationship that they had. And and what they're actually doing physically is separating so that they each go with the girl that they like Mm -hmm. to hang out and sort of have this weird spontaneous day date. Mm -hmm. But it is also the division of that time in their life because they're about to graduate. So it's their time in their life before they didn't have girls and the most important relationship outside their family was with each other. Mm And now there's going to be, well, there's this other relationship that I would really like to use other body parts for. And that becomes a different thing. And it's so perfectly scripted because it's all on the page, really, except for this dialogue. They're going to separate Michael, Sarah, as Evan says. So, well, I mean, you have my number. Yeah. And they're literally 18 and have grown up together. They, mm-hmm. And they just spent the night. Well, I'll call sleeping. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Seth says, like. I have your information. <laughs> and uh, then they awkwardly, super awkwardly shake hands while uh, Jonah Hill is all, so put her there. <laughs> and then they awkwardly walk off and, and Jonah Hill goes down the escalator. Probably and, like other than going home away from each other at the end of the day, they fucking hang out all the time. They're never separated. Like I'm going to go with her and you're going to go with her. We've never done this before. Right. And you're doing it. And I, I know this is the cheesy film student part of all of this, but this is the moment that changes their lives. And it's not because they have other, they, they're going with girls and they have other interests. It's because this is the one moment they choose something else other than each other. And I often mock your film pretension, pretension is the wrong mm-hmm. word, but your film um, repertoire, your knowledge of it. But when you just said the escalator scene is because it's the end of a phase of life. It's an end of this end of this phase of the relationship. That's exactly correct. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you may be a snooty Manhattan chick, but still. Uh, so no, miss, I would like to read you some quotes. No, oh, no, no. Lord. You have to read. I've got some quotes. These are. So before I read the quotes, yeah. can you tell me, are there, there, is there a list of things I don't know about? Or are we doing quotes instead? We're going to do. We're going to do quotes and a list of things you okay, don't know. Okay, okay, good. So here's Why the thing. Why am I reading quotes? Because I think they'll be funnier with you reading them. Can I act them out dramatically? Uh, if you if you so choose. I probably shouldn't have put them all next to each other because you'll see them. I should have done them one time. But 
There's a lot of funny quotes in this movie. You go to IMDb, you go to anywhere, you look up super bad quotes, there's tons of them. I tried to isolate some quotes completely out of context and out of order of, of script writing I thought was exceptional within the scene. Oh, for fuck's sake. So these probably won't make a lot of sense. People haven't seen a movie a couple of times, but I just sort of want your reaction. Okay, everybody listening right now, you should know that I haven't seen these yet. Okay. So, so whatever they are, I'm sure they're terrible and graphic. Where, where I just figured out we have them on, a, I have them on an iPad. So I would like you to read the first quote, ma'am. Don't touch the screen. Go and read that quote. Oh, for fuck's sake. <clears throat> quote. She looks like she could take a dip. <laughs> <That's so good. laughs> I'm not really sure this is going to get better, guys. I don't know. Okay. This quote. You want me to dive in front of his spit? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. They're yelling at each other for, for, for bitching out and not being part of a fight because he got spit on. No, this is absolutely, this is weird. One of my favorite lines <laughs> in the entire movie. Okay. okay, I don't even know how to play this. I talked to a man who had claimed he'd had climbed five mountains in his life. That's, that's a scene where Seth is trying to tell Emma Stone, uh, that he's a partier. They're like, oh yeah, we went out last night. We like went to this adult party. We were talking to people. And mm-hmm. I mean, I talked to a man who claimed he had climbed five mountains in his life. <laughs> like he just, this, the subtleties of the screenwriting is, is so good. Okay. Now this one people know from the movie. It's two separate quotes. <sighs> Your partner didn't come today. That's kind of a personal question. That's, that's it. And uh, that was again, an exchange between two Academy Award nominated, one Academy Award winning actors and actresses. Yeah. Also, the part of the brilliance of the screenplay and the actors, but primarily the screenplay in that, that is the one line, perfectly timed, perfectly delivered, where you're like, okay, those two belong together. Those two characters absolutely belong together. Even though he's a little bit frumpy and wears husky sizes, and she's fucking Emma Stone. You know what I mean? And you are saying, I'm the stuffy film person. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Oh, good. There's more. When we met, we were eight. We were fine before then. I love that line because they're trying to convince people that they're not codependent on each other. We were fine before that. Dude, we met when we were eight. I was fine before that. Like all of their adult experiences. Which is a rich thing for us to be talking about because (laughs) anybody who's actually been to a book reading of yours or something where you literally halfway through a sentence just go like, oh yeah. So, I mean, we started in that 2008. Like you just look to the back of wherever I'm. I don't don't do calendars or chronology or time. It's not my business. Okay. Here's a good one. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I should have pre-approved any of these quotes. <laughs> dick? Like a man's dick? <laughs> That's Michael Sarah. I, I would love to think that was ad-libbed. Hmm. Like, you want me to take dick? You mean like a man's dick? Like, there's no other kind. There's no other kind, oh, dude. Well, yeah. Okay. That's not true. Now, this is, this is, make sure you phonetically pronounce the last word. I, I don't actually know how that's, but I'll try. By the time college rolls around, I'll be like the Iron Chef of pounding the JJ. Vag. Vag. Well, time- you say you say sp- say it phonetically. Va- it's V. I spelled V A A A J J. Vag. By the time college rolls around, I'd like to be the Iron Chef of pounding Vag. Why am I reading these quotes? Because it's funnier when you do it, sir. This is a great line. I thought this line was amazing. Okay, this doesn't make any sense out of context, and I don't remember it. So that's, this is, that's today. You're familiar with Yoda? Attack of the Clones. But that doesn't actually work you, out of context. You're familiar with Yoda? Attack of the Clones? Because who, 
it's funny. I'll tell you. I'm gonna explain the joke to you. Oh, be well, that'll make it, it super funny. It funny. It, it's everybody super fucking, funny. Everybody fucking knows who Yoda is, and then you say Attack of the Clones. Oh, I see. So it's no, that was today. Yoda, uh, Attack of the Clones. That's it's the, more like you that. Playing with Yoda, Attack of the Clones. Okay. Okay. I two think more. we might uh, be done. Two. No. Two more. I two mean, more. are you sure? Two more. Okay. Just two more. Well, I need my nuts for a lot of things. <laughs> That uh, will demonstrate Michael Sarah. I need my nuts for a lot of things. Okay, last one. Here we go. <clears throat> oh, well, I mean. You can do it. I don't want to do it. You can do it. But I don't want to do it. Let's go. One day, I am finishing up this veiny, triumphant bastard. <laughs> if any one of you motherfuckers makes a ringtone, you're in trouble. And that's the, that's the scene where they talk about drawing all the penises. And it's it's the adjectives that make it. This veiny, triumphant. Yeah. Fair. And Jonah Hill delivers that very well. However, speaking of uh, veiny triumphant bastards, oh Lord! As I was researching this movie, looking for Shocker. facts you might not know, I found out that the drawings of all the penises were done by David Goldberg, brother of Evan Goldberg, who co-wrote the movie alongside Seth Rogen. And I was shocked, shocked, I say, ma'am, to learn that there is a coffee table book containing all the penis sketches from the movie. That's information nobody needs. The book is called Super Bad: The Drawing. It's amazing. Now, here's the thing. I, you have to hear the intro from the, 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 intro from the book. Ready? Well, okay. This is David Goldberg, okay. Art, Art, Artur. My name is David Goldberg, and I am the artist who created the penis drawings for the movie Superbad. When my younger brother Evan proposed that I help create various pencil masterpieces for his upcoming movie, I felt this would be an excellent medium by which to ply my trade. As comical and lighthearted a role as the penis illustrations play in the movie, however, their creation was a serious and burdensome affair. Well, in order to prepare for my role as penis artiste, I first had to immerse myself in the world of the penis and go beyond a merely perfunctory analysis. I'm listening. For how can one create what one does not understand? Go on. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's awesome. This is the work of a serious creator. This I, coffee isn't. table penis drawing book. It's it amazing. Isn't. It isn't. Um, all right, ma'am. Uh, so, there are uh, things I don't, I don't know about super bad. We will put a link to that book in the show notes and okay. I will absolutely put an Amazon affiliate code on it. So we'll make 12 cents for everybody who buys the penis book. Now I finally get to the point. I have a list of things you might not know about super bad. I'm really shocked. And then I'm done. I'm quite ready. Shocked. Only six. Well, okay. only six inches of okay. veiny triumphantness. Sure. Number one, teenage dream. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg wrote the film when they were teenagers. Their lead characters, Seth and Evan, are obviously based on them, and all the other characters have the names of their former schoolmates. Oh my goodness. To the point of which, apparently there's an actual guy named Fogel, and when they sat down to watch a screening with Fogel, Fogel looked at them both and said, fuck you guys. <laughs> well, wouldn't you? Because now Fogel's grown up and not awkward, probably hot like fire and a lawyer or something, yeah. and he's all like... Fucking really, guys? Oh, you guys are assholes. You guys are, I mean, think about it. Like, I was also part of the geek crew in my high school, yeah. right? And pe and I think I grew up pretty, I mean, I know I'm a geek, but I don't, I don't, I'm not the most awkward that I've ever been. No. And I'm assuming that that is true of most of my friends. You know, and I, like my, my BFF We are all enjoying adulthood very much. Right. But, you know, there's all the, there's, I have the pictures of me with the 80s uh, high-low cut mm -hmm. and, you know. All that stuff, and I, I might, I might protest for an hour and whatever fifty minutes of my most awkward self. Being put camera. up on screen, yes. Um, here's a great one: fake ID problems. The movie revolves around fake ID. Mm -hmm. The film's DVD had to be pulled from the Walmart shelves in Hawaii because it included the fake McLovin ID. 
So they had to pull it. Hawaii would not sell it because it had a literal fake ID in the DVD package. Here's one of my favorites. Now, although, dude, I I was a bartender for years and years and years, and I'm pretty sure. And a lot of it was in Texas, which has super hardcore, Mm -hmm. like the server is responsible kind of laws. Never saw Hawaiian? No, I I saw Hawaiian IDs. If I saw a, a McLovin ID, I kind of have, even before the movie, like I kind of don't know what I would have done there because there's a certain amount of McLovin which is completely balls out, which yeah. is just like, psh, yeah, it's name. a flawless ID. Flawless. <laughs> but my name is McLovin. Uh, the F count in the movie. The F word is used 186 times in the film, which makes out to be 1.6 F bombs per minute. Ooh. I included that stat because I've been taking a beating, a beating over at Audible, uh, the reviews of EarthCore. Uh-huh. EarthCore, of course, sells to our crowd, sells to the junkies, all of you people listening. Get well, EarthCore. Clearly and sells you dig to it. more than our crowd. It's, too. It, that, yeah. That's the point. And, and you people dig it and you get where we're coming from. You get our, our sense of humor and our gist. And then as it starts, the sales increase, the Amazon slash Audible algorithm bumps it out to more and more and more people. And you wind up getting people like that who've never heard of me. Oh, that's a cool cover. That's a cool premise. I'll get this book. And then I get this. And Audible ratings are three five-star three mm-hmm. five stars mm-hmm. for performance story and, and something else. And uh, they're all straight one stars. And all the reviews are, I can't believe how much you use the F word. <laughs> you know, this, there might have been a good story in here, but you have the potty mouth. You keep using the F word. You do have a potty mouth, sir. So I am pleased that one of my favorite movies of all time has 1.6 F-bombs per minute. It has taught me, man has taught me to trust my instincts. Okay. Trust my internal McLovin. Um, well, that, that I'm pretty sure your instinct is not your internal McLovin. I think those are different things. A good God, I hope those are I have an external things. McLovin. Oh, I don't want to. Yeah. This is a family oh, show. Oh, yeah. It's a family you, show. We don't want to talk about I that. I thought one, uh, the Seth Rogen scene where he talks about becoming a cop because he thought there would just be semen on everything <laughs> is one of the most brilliant scenes of all time. You love Seth Rogen, though. You are uh, such a huge fan great. of Zach and Mary he's Make a Porno, so too, great. for that same I love thing. Seth Rogen. I'll tell you why. He looks stupid. I'm not going to lie to you. You see him on screen, you're like, this is a doofus who's being fed these amazing lines. That's your initial reaction. Then after watching seven or eight of the movies, you're like, okay, this guy's pretty fucking good. It's when you watch outtakes of Zach and Mary make a porno and you watch him ad lib, mm-hmm. deliver a line, look to the camera and the director, okay, again, deliver another line. Okay, again. And for like three minutes, he's just coming up with shit off the top of his head. I remember watching on the outtakes, Zach and Mary make a point. I'm like, holy fuck, is this guy smart? Well, holy and you can shit. also see this. He and his wife are advocates for, I think it's, um, I should know this and I'll put it in the show notes, but they're, they're advocates. They've, they've spoken on Capitol Hill. They've talked to the Senate about aging and I think it's Alzheimer's. I think is it's right? mother-in-law. Yeah. And he's, he is as brilliant as his screenplay would suggest uh-huh. in a lot of ways because he can, it's the same problem. Like you see the wizard behind the curtain where, where, like you were saying, you think if you had dinner with Michael Sarah in person, he'd sort of seem like Michael Sarah, and we yep. don't know anything about him. Nothing. Same thing about Seth Rogen, though, right? You'd be like, well, sh-. I mean, I, I would have dinner with him, but it would be a little pedestrian, right? Unless and, we're going to get high, clearly it won't be any fun. <laughs> but then you see him in moments of Seth Rogen instead of in moments of his character, mm-hmm. and you can see that a lot in, in the things that he's done <clears> on Capitol <throat> Hill and all that other stuff, and he's quite a, a, an intelligent patient, thoughtful human, which is great. And that scene, when he originally ad-libbed it, it lasted for four minutes. It was completely improvised. He did it all oh at the goodness. top of his head. They wound up cutting it down to one minute for the movie. I mean, you sort still, of have to. still brilliant. <laughs> Feature debut, 
Uh, Superbad was a feature debut for both Christopher Mintz Plass, Plasse, how do you pronounce that dude's name? Plotz, I think. Plotz, and Emma Stone. It was the first feature movie that they had done. But this is the great part. Emma Stone has a decent catalog of stuff she did as a kid coming up and getting used sure. to business. Christopher's first scene in his entire acting career was his character's intro in the home economics class. Oh my God. He'd never been on camera one time before that moment. Oh my God. And apparently he was very nervous and the crew walked him through it. But still you're like, that's a hell of a debut. That's oh a- honey. Yeah. Oh honey. But he's so amazingly awkward in that. Yeah. Some of that had to come through. Last one, also involving uh, Mr. Mince Plotz. McLovin had to have his mother on the set during a sex scene because he was only 17 years old during the filming and, and legally rules. required parental supervision. Yep. Mince Plot said, quote, it was real awkward, but it worked okay. It worked out okay because when I watched the movie with her, the sex scene wasn't awkward because she'd been right there when it happened. Afterwards, we didn't talk about it. <laughs> we still don't speak about that moment. I'm just saying that I is actually true. Right. I would have fucking died. <laughs> that is me? also true of my oh. life right now. I, I, as much as I, I made the mistake when I was in college, I got a, I got a chemistry degree and an acting degree. So I had a senior acting project and well, yes, um, an acting degree. Yes. A Continue. The, theater, theater, degree, theater, the focus in acting. And, uh, I made the mistake of telling my castmates, uh, that I just, I didn't like to think about, I hoped my parents had sex, but I just didn't want to think, I mean, I knew they had sex for me <laughs> and I hope they were still having sex 18 years later, but I just didn't want to hear about it. And that was it. It was unfortunately at the very beginning of the, my senior year in okay. college. And okay. that was it. I yeah. was every single moment that anybody in my class had an opportunity to like make a stick figure that said, A's mom and dad or whatever, they would do that. Right. So, ooh, it was super, super hard. So I understand that the, it would be very, very difficult to be there because I still would not, not like to talk about sex with my uh, parents. My parents have had sex twice. Well, that's that's absolutely. Coach and Carol had least. sex two well, times. No, I don't times. even. I don't. Well, two times. I don't want to talk once about that. Once was my brother. Once Here's was my me. Thing. That's it. That's it. I don't. Also, don't I, even want to talk about that sex. That's I, my I went, point. Like I would go through. Fortunately, we were jocks in high school, so we Maybe went through a phase where we walk me. around. Well, this is a different thing. I'm not talking about that. This is a, this is a thing where, like, you know, you're, you're a teenage boy, and you go through this phase where all of a sudden, like, I don't think my parents see me with a shirt off or or whatever, and it's. This weird cycles you go through, I cannot imagine. Oh, hey, Scott, we have this movie we would like you to do. I love movies. I would like to be in this movie. Oh, here's the sex scene with this super cute girl. This could not possibly go wrong in one way. By the way, here's your mom. Here's your mom is going to watch you pretend to have awkward, goofy sex with this girl. I don't think I could have done it. Hats off, to, hats off to Christopher because I'm not. I'd have been like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to act. I don't All think right. I'm going to do it. I'm pretty sure we're done talking about super bad. Okay, <laughs> what do okay. you think? Uh, it's it's absolutely an amazing movie. It's got the rewatchability is fantastic because the script is so dense. The dialogue is so dense. You can get something new out of it every time you watch it. I think it's, it's as close to a perfect comedy as you can get. I love it. Okay. So that does it for this episode. Uh, <laughs> we hope you enjoyed episode 25 of Story Smack. You can find Scott and myself online. Scott is at Scott Segler on Twitter. Twitter and Instagram, mm-hmm. and his Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Scott Sigler. I am at a real girl on Twitter and at a.real.girl on Instagram. You can find both of us online at scottsigler.com slash story smack. We'd love to see your comments over there. You can always find us on iTunes. Search for Scott Sigler Audiobooks and subscribe. You'll get a free audiobook episode every Sunday and a huge hit of Story Smack. 
I guess not every week, but well, sort of every, every week. week. The, the best we can do. Yes. <laughs> but there you go. That does it for this episode of Stories Back. Until next week, we will talk to you all real, real soon. soon. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.